Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one. It's the Politics Show oh. podcast. The podcast ain't nuts. It's the Politics Show podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! Can you feel? <laughs> the bitch is back, Ed Campbell. Hello, once again, back. You revved up. Arr! You want this pod on you? Yes. No. Fucking under you? No. <laughs> Don't know. You want this pod in your mouth? Nope. <laughs> you can't ask me for that. <laughs> I'll just keep asking you. Yep. Yeah. Not after what happened the last time with that other bloke. <laughs> I'm that? making a joke about okay. TV news. <laughs> <laughs> Can't ask me anything these days. <laughs> Isn't you get thrown in jail for saying anything, mate? Every time get locked up for in jail just for Ed Campbell the fifth. Right? Yeah, yeah, I'm grand. Thank you. Good, Ava Santina, Capital J journalist. Hi, how are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. Sorry for taking Laura's catchphrase. Well, yeah, trademark. Um, Small talk? We do small talk? We're just going to go straight for it. You get the big talk. Do the big talk. You just go straight to the big talk. I've got big talk. I've, let, I've got a, a mea culpa. After I disparaged Ava's point about reform last week about the threat to the Conservative Party, she was immediately proved right <laughs> by elections on Thursday because reform yeah, took an awful from, uh, from the Conservatives. The, the vote for the reform in Tamworth and Midbeds was larger than the majority that they had. So... Did I apologise. Did you hear? Very good. That's very good of you. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Did you, um, per chance, listen to my LBC show that I spent ten minutes talking about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely. Is it where you said that um, no one talked about that when it was the Greens in Uxbridge? No, I didn't. No. Oh. But also a valid point. Yeah. I look forward to catching up with my favourite LBC show later <laughs> on. <laughs> During my working hours. During my working hours. When my boss sits if, me down. Well, if you wanted me to listen to your radio show, it wouldn't be on in the middle of the night. 
When Ed's listening to it, Ollie's sitting across the desk just smiling, watching him. It's good, it's a good bit. Good bit. Yeah. You like this bit. You like this bit. You like this bit. <laughs> big, should we go to the big talk? Should we get in the big talk? Bit, well, should we talk about your trousers? <laughs> you might wonder, YouTube audience, why all these glasses empty. Because his pants are half full. Look at that. There's a pint of water on blue denim. How's that look? Exactly. You getting that, Joel? <laughs> <laughs> can you can you zoom in on my on my crotch, please? <laughs> can I not be in the frame? <laughs> That's Lawrence Fox situation. How bad is that? It's dreadful. Um, we've also given the game away. You've just seen you've seen the microphone wise. Drop a comment if you think that's pissed. I got so excited to have you back on the pod that <laughs> I've just pissed myself. You're like a puppy. This is a badly trained puppy. It comes back. Can we get to the big talk? Yes. Roll the clip. Come to the leader of the opposition, Keir Starmer. Can I join the Prime Minister in his comments about all those affected by these storms? Can I start by welcoming the new member for Mid Bedfordshire? The first Labour MP ever to represent those beautiful towns and villages. He defied the odds, history, and of course the fantasy Lib Dem bar charts. Can I also welcome the new member for Tamworth? She will be a powerful representative for her constituents. Is the Prime Minister as relieved as I am that those constituents are not burdened with his defeated candidate who told them, don't worry Mr Speaker, I'm going to sanitise this, to F off if they're struggling with the cost of living? Well, Mr Speaker, I'm proud of what this government is doing to support the most vulnerable over the past year. But, uh, Mr Speaker, can can I in fact join him in welcoming the new members to their places? After all, I suspect the new member for mid-beds may actually support me a little bit more than the last one. <laughs> although, although, although I did, I did notice, I did notice that the new member said that they will be opposing new housing in their local area, while the, new, while the new member for Tamworth claimed that they will protect green spaces. I would urge them to have a word with their leader, because that's not exactly his position, Mr Speaker. Although, with his track record of U-turns, who knows what his housing policy will be next week? Ava, Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak, a little bit of back and forth there uh, as regards the Tamworth by-election. I actually I quite enjoyed that little exchange. That was quite funny from Rishi Sunak, wasn't it? Was, I thought Rishi was funny. Laughed out loud. Did you? I, I think I actually I did laugh out loud. It was a good joke. I thought it was a good joke. And the, the delivery of it was actually quite good, whereas mm-hmm. normally he kind of fucks it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I thought it was a really appropriate time for a joke, you know, when, you know, Israel Gaza are at war and, uh, you know, all these people are starving. <laughs> I thought, you know what's funny here? No. Should we just stop the podcast? Because <laughs> 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 that's exactly what we're about to do for half an hour. Um... Sorry. That's all right. Nope. Don't worry. Um, There's no time for labour too. What no I was going to say, though, actually, no was time. I thought that was um, indicative of his entire premiership, that little joke, right? So, in this morning, 
the Conservative Party have been going, well, the government have been going on and on about this anti-social behaviour funding that they've allocated, right? So there's a couple of thousand, a, a thousand extra hours of Bobby's on the beat time and they've tackled it, they've banned NOS and wow, this is amazing, it's so much safer to be in your communities when actually that's had barely any effect at all on how safe you feel, right? In tandem with that joke about Nadine Dorries, I just, I was watching it thinking, my God, this guy is going to be a footnote in history. Like, he's not going to be one of those prime ministers you look back on and say, wow, that I remember Rishi Sunak. You'll go, oh, yeah, who was, who was that guy? Yeah, after trust. After, the, after that, that woman collapsed the economy and then um, we had that, that boring fella afterwards. Who was that guy in the middle, <laughs> you know? Mm. I think he has the opportunity to be a uh, historic prime minister if he sort of do, does, the, does the thing for the good of the Conservative Party and sort of falls on his sword. If he calls an early election and he allows the Tory party to sort of move on, either most unlikely because for some reason now constitutionally we've fallen into a bit of a norm where leaders resign if they lose elections, um, broadly speaking. So, you know, like Farage, Clegg, Corbyn, Miliband, uh, Swenson, although she lost a seat, as did, as did Clegg actually. But the point, point remains that basically if they lose, they the next day you usually get those news conferences where it's just one after the other, after the other, after the other, where each party leader resigns apart from the one who won. So I suspect that is probably what he'll do when he'll lose. Nonetheless, if he calls an early election, he's just like, fuck this, game up, give the country what they want. He has the possibility to sort of set the Conservative Party on a perhaps slightly more moderate path. If he continues to sort of just cling on by his fingernails, he will he will not be regarded, I think, in any in any type of way. Um, he'll learn, he'll, he will, it probably won't be a footnote because of the actual, uh, the geopolitics of Ukraine, the Middle East history, history textbooks will study this period of time, so he will be remembered in that sense. But in terms of sort of British politics, I agree. I don't. I think he kind of uh, he has an opportunity to make himself relevant and sort of rise above the political tide. I don't think he is going to do that. Though. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of people who will think for shame if he doesn't stand down. You'll think that's not, you know you've got to get to a point where he, he can really have a career after this. Do you, do you know this is actually a good point to mention? Do you know Kwasi Kwarteng mm. can't get a job? Apparently, uh, <laughs> has the man lost? <laughs> you you do the most famous me. job so badly. You get um, Everyone keeps telling me I've got no credibility. But I'm, oh. And you get, you know, you get quite a, former chancellors on loan to have some few, you know, access to some good consultancy gigs after they've left post. Yeah, not for Quasi. Or six, or six if you Yes, he could do quite a good like Jordan Belfort thing. And like, here's what I learned: don't do what I do. Learn the lesson from my mistakes. What, like an OJ style, if I did. If I did. If I did crash the economy. economy. Here's how I would have done it. Well, it's mm. a full year of Sunak now. One hot year. Happy Sunak anniversary. One hot year of Sunak. Uh, just can I quickly say, before we get into that, you were talking about fucking, what were you going to say? Yeah, him being like, I could be doing, I could be doing anything literally else right now. And I think it's one of the things that makes him so dislikable. His net approval right now is, I think, about minus forty-five, minus fifty, which is about the same as um, as as uh, as as Liz Truss at varying points. I think she got sunk further, but nonetheless, he has when you when when he's questioned, he has the air of someone who it could be anywhere else in the world right now, and that is true. He could be anywhere else mm-hmm. in the world right now. He could be doing his Silicon Valley thing. He could be uh, a VC guy. He could be an Infosys guy, he could be doing anything like that. And so when people get under his skin 
and they're asking him about his wife or they're asking him about whatever the latest thing is that, you know, uh, Chris Mason, I think, stood up at some kind of um, big international summit and was asking him about Suella Braverman. He was like, do you have no questions about the summit? Because he... Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want to talk about? Yeah, because, and, and he's so indignant when he gets asked the question because I think he, he views his service and his role as prime minister as a, as a sacrifice as a personal sacrifice. Well, I could be anywhere else in the world right now, but I'm choosing to do this for you, the little guy, mm -hmm. the stupid little man. And the thing he doesn't realize is that the rest of the country does not view what he's doing as a sacrifice. They view being the prime minister actually as a privilege. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he understands how badly he comes off when he adopts that time. He also don't get the impression that it's something he would like to do for an extended period of time. You can't. Well, God, thank God. But as in, like, say in different circumstances, say he was, I don't know, in a much kinder political atmosphere to the Conservative Party, mm. you don't get the impression that he would be looking for a 16 year ministry. That would actually kind of interrupt his plans to be a Silicon Valley exec and make gazillions. Well, that actually really hurts with Wally's theories about when the general election is going to be. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, right. <laughs> um, in reference, because obviously, right, so they published that video, don't they, uh, today, being like, we've been in office for a year. Stank. And pull it down as well, because I think there were some typos. And, they and said, there were also some commitments in there that didn't, that have not been committed to. Mm -hmm. Famously, the, the XL bullies, they've been banned. Yeah. yeah. Campbell's got some, got some stories to tell about the XL bullies that are not banned. Absolutely. Give them... They don't know what they are. That's what Ava made. Ava, Ava, yeah, I saw that on your Twitter. Ava made a very astute observation that they still don't know what an XL bully actually is. So, so you could actually, perhaps they have banned the concept of the XL bully. <laughs> but dogs that, that we thought currently have. to be an XL bully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what I think, you know... Why can't I stand outside this abortion clinic, silently praying, holding my XL bully? <laughs> Where are my British liberties? <laughs> Therese Coffey yesterday in the EFRA Select Committee said that, um, this is very difficult for me because an ASOS notification has just come through that something's back in stock. So Who's in that jumper? EFRA, EFRA. Um, <laughs> she was sitting, yeah, uh, yesterday she said that one of the solutions that they're looking at is that all XL bullies, when they fall into that category, they're not going to take away the dogs, they're going to give them muzzles. Now, what I think we could do, we could muzzle everything, right? So <laughs> me, you, dog, man, we're all muzzled. Why? Don't. What end? Well, then we wouldn't Stop have to... Stop fucking biting people. <laughs> <laughs> They're annoying me. <laughs> At the end of that video, nonetheless, it said the words were to the effect of, look what we've done in a year, yeah. just wait and see what we're going to do over the next one. Which obviously is bait to be like, aha, the Conservatives <laughs> have given the game away. <laughs> the election will be <laughs> October 24. Well played, Rishi Sunak. Well played. Oh, they've got a 1940s BBC announcer back. They revived them. <laughs> Just we for this. So AI train um, another Orwell announcer. You know, he used to do the announcements mm. on uh, Radio 4. We, we do we, have the we, tech for that. We could do a ton of people. We can literally do anyone. Sweet. Lord, ho, ho. Swede do can do anyone. Yeah. Rishi Sunak is giving a speech tomorrow about AI. And I thought he was doing the speech as AI, which would be a really good point. Have you seen the coverage about his AI? He mentioned in... Oh, he, he made a really ban banal point about AI in Parliament, I think, was last I was on holiday, so I actually didn't read much of the news. I think I saw a headline. But, everyone, but there was a spin about this being like, he has such an amazing grasp of AI because he's a tech guy, when he's like, just read one portion of like 
an insider article about AI. Mm. I think it's just kind of a, it's a, he's a tech guy, he wears hoodies, he's got a Peloton. He's a consumer. That's what he is. He, he likes brands. He's not like some tech wizard. He couldn't build anything. He just likes expensive tech things. He's actually building back better as we speak. Is he? Ed, I don't know if you watched the video this morning. I did. Anniversa uh, Rishi. Huh? Mm. What did you say? Anniversa Rishi. So any, anyway, that provokes questions. <laughs> I've been sitting that for about five minutes. I didn't understand. Have you got that written down? No, it was written down up here. So anyway... We then had the conversation, didn't we? When do you think the election will be? Yeah. And I said, never. <laughs> I don't think they're allowed to do that. <laughs> Has anyone tried? My man, Rishi, can do what he likes. Uh, why do you say never? Are you being facetious? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want this to go on forever. It's quite fun. The halcyon days <laughs> is, of Rishi Sunak. Uh-huh. But then there's the trade-off of like the country being driven into the ground. I versus, like, the lap. about that. Absolutely. You've got to do it. Just want my boy. My boy <laughs> number 10. Obama called for a general election today, didn't he? He said to Sunak, like, announce the general election. Mm. He was sitting on two new Labour MPs that have just been elected through by-elections. Later today as well, um, Peter Bone's suspension will be voted on, which means a potential third by-election, which means a potential third Labour MP won through by-elections. Um, it's just like a kid being like, I want more pocket money. Like, and then Daddy, it's actually not up to you, Yeah, yeah and then Daddy Rishi's like, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Fine. <laughs> oh, if you insist. <laughs> like, he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. Is he? Imagine. <laughs> oh, what about now? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, ah, one way to dwelling, bro. <laughs> yeah, we're going to. God, it's so good to have you back. <laughs> Laura's a lot too much too sober for my taste. <laughs> <laughs> what was that in the last episode? Journalism. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking losers. Oh, going about the protest you were at. <laughs> I'm miming a gun. <laughs> I'm doing something that would breach off cock standards. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? They can't touch me here. <laughs> <laughs> and they can try. So, yes, Rishi, Danny Rishi Sunak is not going to grow. Don't call him that. Mr. Rishi, Mr. Sunak. Mr. Sunak, the Prime Minister of uh, the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, will not grant Keir Starmer, Sir Keir Starmer, uh, a general. Election. Can we edit out the bit where it looks like I'm like, give him some respect. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Get out of my pub! It's the Politics Show Pubcast. He keeps boasting about how great things are. The voters keep telling him he's got it wrong. But I can see why the Tamworth candidate thought he was just following government lines. Annalisa and her two children lived in their home for eight years. In May, they were kicked out with a no-fault eviction notice. Despite his government's pledge to scrap no-fault evictions, this week the Prime Minister crumbled to the landlords on his own back benches and killed the policy. What message, other than the message delivered by his candidate in Tamworth, could Annalisa possibly take from that? Prime Minister Speaker, we've taken significant action to help renters like Annalise and others. We've capped holding deposits at one week. We've protected tenants from rip-off tenancy fees, delivered almost half a million affordable homes for rent and halved the number of percentage of substandard homes in the private rented sector and strengthened local authority enforcement powers because this government is delivering for renters. But we are also, Mr Speaker, trying to ensure the new generation can buy their own home. So perhaps he can explain to Annalisa and thousands and millions of others why when we brought forward plans to unlock 100,000 new homes, he stood in the way of that. So, I, um, Ava, I enjoyed... I actually thought this was a, a good session of PMQs, to be honest with you. I liked the involvement. Uh, you could say it was fairly Corbyn-esque, the, the invoking of um, constituents and normal people that Keir Starmer did. Um, that was one of Corbyn's favourite little gambits, wasn't it, during during Prime Minister's questions. I liked the fact that he repeatedly was saying to, said to Rishi Sunak, are, are you not telling the great British public to fuck off? Um, I love that. I thought it was good. And I also am glad that he spoke about uh, the Renton Reform Bill and um, no no fault evictions and, well, all sorts of things, actually. Mortgages as well, house building. I thought it was um, substantive. I thought it was funny. And, uh, yeah, that's my that's my take. Do you, do you agree with me? Well, would you like a take? I wasn't expecting to have to give a take there. No? I thought you were just going to ask me to repeat what was in the clip. <laughs> no, they've seen, they've seen that. Me <laughs> know. Um, we, well, I just think we. I know we've already spoken about the renters' reform bill, right? yeah. But nonetheless, I can't help. I just reiterate: it is a betrayal, isn't it? Like the Conservatives have been promising it for four years, and yes, there are many, many problems with housing, spiralling rents, the fact we're not building enough. Nonetheless, it, it, it was still kind of a a, a, a delicious crumb mm-hmm. of policy for people who live in rented accommodation, which they have now rode back on and betrayed all of the people that they promised it to. Well, reneging on the no-fault evictions is also not their fault. That's what you've got to remember. And there's two really strong defences of why it's not their fault. The first one is that the court system is so backed up, so they can't rely on it. But actually, 99% of all uh, all of these potential no-fault evictions that would have been scrapped wouldn't even go through the court system. But that 1% could throw the entire, the entire train out of kilter. Mm. Apparently, let's just throw in every metaphor there. Mm. The second one, their second line of defence, is that they actually did try to give 100,000 new houses a couple of months ago, right? They wanted to start building these 100,000 new houses. It would have changed, it would have revolutionised Britain. Labour voted it down. And what they forget to mention is that in in building these 100,000 new houses, they were planning to reform the planning laws, Mm. which meant that developers could basically salt the earth, shit in the river, do whatever they'd like, um, with no regards to the environment. So those are pretty strong defences, I would argue. They are. Sounds like an Ed Campbell holiday, doesn't it? Salting the earth, shooting in the river. Absolutely. That's what we've been up to <laughs> the last four days. Absolutely. Don't go and try and farm anything near 
Totness for a few days. So bad news for the boys in there. Uh, <laughs> Ed, how, Ed, how glad are you to be back watching PNQs? Oh, I quite enjoyed this. this I, think I was being serious. Yeah, no, no, I, I enjoyed I it. Was it was good, good. As, as much as like, yeah, as a spectator sport, I thought it was quite combative. It was making com- some good I points, landing some good punches. Combative, but it was, it was substantive as well. Yeah, grounded in policy and people. It's actually I, I like when they talk about people's real. I like when they talk about real people, but also I'm like, you could be making this person up. I don't think he is, but it's just going to be like, Emma. So how do they back it up? That's, that's my point. As in, like, you could be like, oh yeah, um, Jennifer. I like, like to think that they just listen to like speech radio and then they, they write <laughs> down one of the callers yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, a little secret for you here. Do you remember when Starmer was off isolating one of the first times and Angela Rayner was like, um, a man called Keir has written to me. Look. <laughs> Throwback for PMQs. It's Keir Mather. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sir Keir. Um, they also, um, he was also asked by Starmer if he was uh, proud of the uh, of the words used by Andrew Cooper, the, the, yeah. the MP for Tamworth, who didn't, who never, who never came to fruition. Mm. He was so confident he would get in as well. He was, and he didn't. Yeah, Andrew Cooper. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then had to slink off the stage after you know that was. Pro- he didn't have to slink off the stage, though, did he? Well, he did have to slink off the stage, otherwise, you know. No, because you're not just stood there and taking it graciously. No, no, that's what that's what a normal person would Sorry, do. Sorry, right, 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 right. But not um, yeah, a someone with a real high off. opinion of themselves yeah, wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't put themselves through it. But what was so the thing? My reading of that, you know, fuck off chart that they'd made about food banks. <clears> I was genuinely thinking that could encourage people to vote for him. They're like, oh, that's the Lee Anderson way of thinking. That's yeah. the whole, like, you know, pull up your bootstraps. If you wanted to feed your kids, you could. And there's no such thing as poverty. I thought that people might have got behind that. So I had my faith restored that they didn't. I'm so wet. Jesus Christ. Clip that. Not another one. It's the Politics Show podcast. Yesterday, the UN warned that hospitals in Gaza had just 48 hours of fuel left to keep their electricity going. That was 28 hours ago. The electricity runs out tonight. Now, we have a human responsibility to all the people in Gaza, but we have a particular responsibility for UK citizens, some of whom are in those hospitals with no food, no water, no medicine and no way out. So I want to ask the Prime Minister, how much worse does the situation have to get before he will join us in calls for a humanitarian ceasefire? Mr Speaker, from the start we have said that the first and most important principle is that Israel has the right to defend itself under international law. Our support for that position is absolute and unchanged. Uh, But from the start we have also said that we do want British nationals to be able to leave Gaza and that we want hostages for, to be released and for humanitarian aid to get in. And we recognise for, for all of that to happen, there has to be a safer environment, which of course necessitates specific pauses as distinct from a ceasefire. And we discussed this with partners yesterday evening at the United Nations. And we have also been consistently clear that everything must be done to protect civilians in line with international law and continue getting more aid flowing into Gaza. Mr Speaker, the the growing calls for a ceasefire is also about calming the situation in the broader region, especially the West Bank. UNICEF has reported over 2,000 fatalities and over 5,000 injured children since the conflict began due to unrelenting attacks. If we ignore this, 
We risk pouring petrol on a fire in a place that only requires a spark to ignite. Yeah, yeah. Can the Prime Minister understand that joining calls for a ceasefire is now the best and maybe the only way to stop this conflict escalating beyond all control? Mr Speaker, we do worth have to remember that Israel has suffered a shockingly brutal terrorist attack. Hamas is responsible for this conflict and has the right to protect itself in line with international law. As the UN Charter makes clear, we will continue to urge the Israelis to follow international law, uh, whilst we also have to remember that Hamas cruelly embeds itself in civilian populations. But we are doing everything we can to get aid into the region. I'm pleased to say an RAF flight left the UK this morning for Egypt, carrying 21 tonnes of aid for Gaza. The relief supplies include over 75,000 medical kits, solar lights, water filters for families and warehousing equipment. Our team are on the ground ready to receive. We will continue to do everything we can to increase the flow of aid, including fuel, into Gaza. Ava. Murray Black raising the humanitarian situation in Gaza there. Um, an important question and an important issue taking place. I, don't, I, I feel bad for kind of moving the discussion immediately away from the SNP when we're, when we're here to discuss what she's just said. But um, a, note, a, a marked departure by Keir Starmer today in not talking about Israel and Palestine. And are we to understand that in the context of the developing row within the Labour Party? about this issue? Yeah, quite possibly. So 150 um, councillors, Muslim councillors, have written to Keir Starmer to say that they're not happy with his position on um, Gaza. They're, it all harks back to that LBC interview he gave where he was asked, um, "Would you do, do you think that food and supplies should still go into Gaza? And he said, Israel has the right to defend herself, which a lot of people took de facto to mean you don't think that humanitarian aid should go into the to the uh, region. He has since clarified that, but not enough. Mm. Um, and then the other day, he found himself yesterday, or day before, he found himself down at the um, South Wales Islamic Centre and he took a couple of photos with the people there and he said, I reiterated... Oh, hang on, this was actually mental because I, I should actually get the quote up. He, he basically said, I reiterated our um, call to return the hostages. And it was like, you went to the South Wales Islamic Centre and said, return the hostages. <laughs> it's like when, what? It's like I mean, when, when, who was it that asked, was it Richard Madeley asked Leila Moran if she knew that Hamas was about to attack Israel? Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it, has, it has echoes of that, doesn't it? It's yeah. Like, oh, you lads down at the mosque, you know about what's happening what's going on? in the strip. Why don't you tell somebody? Yeah. So, so, so they've written this letter, open letter to him, basically saying that... Um, we wish to stress that Keir Starmer's social media posts and images gravely misrepresented our co congregants and the nature of the visit. Uh, we recognise that while our inten intention was to raise the issue of suffering of Palestinians, regrettably the outcome has put the South Wales Islamic Centre and the wider Muslim community into disrepute. Um, yeah, they're basically very unhappy about it. We affirm unequivocally the need for a free Palestine. We implore all those with political authority to uphold international law and end the occupation. So this is now bled out into um, what well, has been ble bleeding out to the rest of the party for the last couple of days. You've now got shadow front benches who are briefing journalists that they may resign if Starmer doesn't alter his position. And you've got uh, Labour backbenchers also willing to give up the whip if he does not change his position. Just on, on this, this photo opportunity at the mosque as well, didn't it turn out that like, the imam can't speak English or something? It, it, I didn't read that. It yeah, didn't I, I'd seen that the guy, the guy that he demanded the release of the hostages from, 
doesn't speak English, so he couldn't have demanded the release of the hostages anyway. Very, I, I think they, Labour did come out and clarify that, that, that that's not exactly what he meant. Whoever wrote that social media post, though, you've got to wonder, do you hate Keir? Because that... <laughs> can, can, I be, can I be charitable to Keir Starmer? Yeah, go on. So... I like he had to ask permission to do that. <laughs> yeah, but isn't like, so, see... He, like, unlocked the shackles underneath them. <laughs> but I put my Starmer hat on. Um, I'm just Keir. <laughs> but see his representation of what happened at the mosque. Mm. That could have been his experience. As in, he was speaking about the thing that he talked about in the post, but he's just conveniently ignored the people at the mosque, the congregants, the issues. He just hasn't reported what they were saying. Mm. As he, what has been said, he's probably just been saying, and he just hasn't taken account. I thought was, what was quite distasteful was, if we can circle back to the SNP, um, <laughs> no. was after Mary Black's question, when... <clears throat> Sunak said Israel has a right to defend itself. There was an enormous cheer from the Tories. And I thought that whole exchange was quite distasteful as it's become for a, we, we talked about kind of the civility with which Westminster was talking about the issue, kind of the nuance. And I think it's, 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 rever it's reverted to type. And it's become I suggested last week, I think, that this is going to become another culture war issue. It's going to be a dividing line or for the Tories to just be viscerally on the side of Israel, I, they're also the party government, so that it does come into it, I suppose. But they, it's, it's, I think it might become more of a dividing line with Labour and a chance for backbench MPs to beat the opposition with. I think it's become, well, Westminster doesn't lend itself to nuanced debate anyway with the debating system, with the oppositional system and the cheering, etc. But I thought it's, it's a shame how quickly they, they've reverted to type over such a serious issue, especially when Mary Black was talking about it in terms of... Oh, you the mean them cheering her? Is that what you no, mean? I, I, mean them che I mean them cheering automatically soon next thing. And they also did cheer Mary Black as well. I suppose it all yeah. goes into it. But I think especially when Mary Black was talking so kind of sensitively about such a... I don't know horrible. if you meant it like that. I think I, get, I got a bit uncomfortable with you saying reverting to type because I'm not really quite... What do you Why? mean by that? Why is it just being like Westminster? Do you know what I mean? Oh, uh, okay, okay. I think also we, um, I think people need to interrogate that Israel has a right to defend itself line a little mm. bit because no one disputes that any nation state on the planet has the right to defend itself. Obviously, obviously you have the right to defend yourself from invasion, from attack. Um, Israel has, well, a relatively unique history, to be honest with you, in modern, in modern politics and modern history in that until they basically successfully conquered huge parts of their neighboring countries, the Sinai in Egypt, the Golan Heights, uh, etc., they were relentlessly attacked by their neighbors. There is a reason why uh, the Israeli military is so strong and it is a product partially of the fact that the Arab states that surround them relentlessly attacked them in the first 20, 30, 40 years of their history. Uh, that being said, it is disingenuous to suggest that the flattening of Gaza constitutes defense. It does not constitute defense, quite, like, quite simply. Yes, um, pursuing the leadership of Hamas, pursuing the militants, all of that, I think, falls under that category. The wide-scale death and destruction of the population of Gaza does not fall into that category. And to endlessly, it, it, like, to, it's almost <coughs> rendered meaningless to endlessly repeat this Israel has a right to defend itself because one, 
no one disputes that Israel has a right to defend itself. Israel has as much of a right to defend itself as any other country. But large parts of the military operation that what we've seen already and what's likely to follow, i.e. the ground invasion, for me, do not constitute defence. So, so Sunak actually gave an answer on that today. He said, so when Mari Black was asking um, how much worse does the situation have to get before he'll join us in calls for a humanitarian ceasefire, he answered, we recognise that for all of that to happen, there has to be a safer environment, which of course necessitates specific pauses as distinct from a ceasefire. That's a very roundabout way of saying, I agree. Do you think? I think he's, he's deliberately, he's deliberately uh, avoiding saying that he supports a ceasefire. Yeah. He's, yeah. Tr he's trying to suggest that specific pauses are distinct from a ceasefire. But, I mean, what is a ceasefire if not a distinct pause in a conflict? You know? yeah. um, he's, trying, he's basically trying to say, yes, the aid can't get in without a ceasefire, but also I'm trying to say that without saying to you I support a ceasefire because that would then break from the unwavering solidarity with the people of Israel. Um, also, we will continue to urge the Israelis to adhere to international law. Yeah. It's quite subtexty. Yeah. Yeah, Black came off very strong, didn't she? That's perfect. It's the Politics Show podcast. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. It is an honour to be elected to this place, and the standards by which we are expected to abide matter. So does the Prime Minister accept that it was ill-judged for him to fail to declare to Parliament that companies linked to his wife had benefited to the tune of £2 million from a fund he had set up as Chancellor? Will he, will he correct the record now? Shocking. Mr. Mr Speaker, it's worth, um, worth bearing in mind that the Labour frontbenchers backed the Future Fund when it was introduced. Indeed, indeed, they were calling for more funding for it, not less. Uh, the House uh, will be aware of my wife's shareholdings in various British startups, as that's her, her career, which are on the record, and I'm happy to put on the record again. But it is worth bearing in mind that the Future Fund helped over 1,200 different companies. Neither the government nor the British Business Bank chose any of those specific investments. It was open to any British firm that met the criteria. Uh, Ruth Cadbury there, Ava. What's going on in that clip? So this is the, uh, goes back to the Future Fund that was, had money poured into it by government. Turned out that Sunak's wife was a beneficiary of, um, of the fund through the she was a shareholder. Um, the standards, parliamentary standards found that he had done something wrong by not declaring it as an interest, but he'd done it inadvertently. So it was like a quick, I apologise, I'm sorry, and we've all moved on. Ruth Cadbury um, bringing up that actually a lot of the country haven't moved on from that. They're still pretty, pretty annoyed about it. Um, the, the worst bit about that clip actually is the, is the jeers that come from the, the Tory benches during that. I mean, it's really loud you know it's like what yeah what, what do you want like what's the problem <laughs> we had to just sit here while you were talking about all of your faff we just sat through see peter bottomley oh that was what the fuck mince. was that yeah i'd just like to put on note that sir rishi sunak not even a sir but he added it in for, you know, <laughs> he doesn't know that for the note yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah he, he thinks long term and he's after better jobs and better education and then sits back down again it's like mate we've got real questions here we'd like yeah, answers can one. you can you save this sort of cuck energy for the tea room afterwards <laughs> uh, so Doug was too much embarrassed like 
thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Rather than the father of the house, shouldn't they change it to cock of the house? That's a different rule entirely. Do you think they have that? But they just aren't allowed to tell people <laughs> who it is. Who do you think it is? Couldn't say in without legal ramifications of come or watching me closely. <laughs> I bet they are. <laughs> do you think it's like, you know, there's these, or, all these ceremonial titles, like Prime Minister is also First Lord of the Treasury or whatever. Mm. Say you're the MP for Midwest Devonshire. I think I've made up a constituency. Yeah. So I think we're safe. And then you get into your office. Like, oh, and good news. Um, you're also the cock of the house. <laughs> you get given, like, what? And someone comes in and you have to watch them have sex with your wife. Yeah. Do you think that? Do, do you think that's real? What's worse? You like, have to watch them have sex with Peter Bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to call him daddy. Yeah. And what am I? <laughs> Father of the house. And what are you? Let's think about that one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, head over to the subreddit, the Paul Joe subreddit, for some good faith discussion. Um, I'm going to go and dry my trousers. Yep. Thank you, Ava. Me too. Dry all those trousers? <laughs> Why? You don't have to do that. You brought your straighteners in. I bring my straighteners in every day. Really? I do my hair. No, no. no. I, I don't see it as a good use of my time to do my hair at home. So you do it here instead of If working. I have to do mm. camera stuff mm. here. Yeah. So for example, on Tuesday when we don't record anything, I would do my hair at home. Mm, right. But on a Wednesday, when we are doing camera things here, right. I think that the, the, the woman tax here is that I have to do my hair. Now, why should I, why should I why? <laughs> get up at half five rather than half six to do my hair? Waste you hours to do your hair? No. Okay, so you don't have to get up. Which side are you on? <laughs> Ed does his hair. Absolutely. Yeah. Look at it. Slightly different. But there is. Are you saying he's not making the effort? I don't think you're talking enough about the woman tax. Yeah. I mean, you two just show up, right? I think that's a pair. <laughs> I've had my I've had my curlers in my rollers curlers rollers rollers in six hours today, mm -hmm. and that hurts my scalp. Right. But look, I'm with you. Amen, sister. Sister. Yeah. What about you? What about me? No, he's not with you. No, but you, I'm empathizing. I used to have quite long hair. No, you don't empathize. I used, I used to, so I empathize. How, how is that the same? Because I used to have quite long hair. Before you met me, I actually had quite really, like, hair template here. His hair was fucking terrible. I remember that yeah. hair. See, <laughs> yeah, I remember awful. that hair. Yeah. I met Ed before I worked here, very yeah. briefly. Yeah. We're wearing an ice band, I think, possibly. Never wore an ice band. Makes me. Uh, I've got a photo of you wearing an ice band. I really doubt that. <laughs> you can try and find it. I really briefly met Ed at a friend of mine's birthday. Did you? I bet you came in on the Monday and right bitch me up. I don't think you're here. Did you not? No, you I think I think it was before my time. You definitely no, no, no. came in and bitched you up. Oh, he didn't work here. <laughs> you don't he know this time. <laughs> he just dropped in to say that. <laughs> Hi, can I have a job? <laughs> I've got some dirt. I've got. I'm sorry, and I've done you dirty here. You're not wearing an Alice band. Uh, it's when we were on the south coast, and it was so hot and sweaty, and your hair is just matte to your head. <laughs> which I misinterpreted. As, I misinterpreted as being oh. held, held in place with an ice band, but it's just like yeah, slick, Megan slick down and across. You look like you're um, about to tell me. We'll stick it in the edit. Yeah. It looks like he's get, about to get some gossip. 
Oh, do you think? <laughs> what? 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 Because I can ear trumpet, like an old man. I think that you look like the sort of guy that would build a, a house in a skip and say it. <laughs> Tell you what, if you're interested in a video like that, yeah. it's one of our channels. Plug. Look how long it is. That's crazy. Look how long it is. Would you never That's fancy going back to that? I, I, no. I think well, the effort to get, like, it would take a year and a half to grow my hair back. And it's also, I really didn't like the effort involved with the upkeep. So that's why I empathise with you. Thank you. Because I can shave my hair off. Did, well, you could as well. Did you send this to me? What's no, that? You, no, you took <laughs> You took that. <laughs> that, was the, that was the day there was, um, there was supposed to be two taken for the eye, the standard. Oh. The independent? Something like One that. One of them. Yes. And one of you just took that photo away. This is, um, te- this is a terrible listen because we're, we're just talking about photos that no one can see. Shall we? These photos that you have. Yeah. Me. <laughs> shall, we, shall we wrap We'll it? put them all on the subreddit. Yeah, but that's a fantastic one. idea. Uh-huh. Excellent. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening. See you on the next one. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.